0: Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Crowd Noise Podcast. I am your host, Stephen Martinez, on a brisk Thursday afternoon, January 16th, 2020. Still sounds so weird to say that. I really have not still adjusted to the year 2020, and we're halfway through January. It's almost going to be February pretty soon. I got to get with the times. I was so excited for the new year, and I still am. You know, Being in a new decade is still um, pretty exciting, but I haven't... I haven't gotten used to it just yet. It takes a little while uh, for your boy. We do have a brand new episode today. Uh, Just a few days removed from what was a, shall we say, interesting Monday afternoon and evening. Uh, We had the national championship on Monday night, LSU and Clemson. And that game was not a classic. Pretty dominant and convincing win for the lSU tigers uh, they win the national championship, so congratulations to them uh It's what we expected we did have we did have lSU in that game defeating Clemson uh It was close for like the first quarter um and it it was really just even even when uh Clemson was leading the game by ten points. It never really felt like they had control. Of the momentum and maybe part of that was them playing in the Superdome in New Orleans is essentially a home game for LSU Uh, but after the game uh, Dabo Sweeney and credit to him uh, not being a sore loser said "Uh, the better team won tonight they were they were better than us tonight and they were the better team and congrats to them and uh, they clearly were they they were clearly the better team they had played the better competition handled all of those teams took care of Clemson uh fairly easily for lack of a better word uh and they're the national champions uh for the year 2019 now people are starting to start the conversation um are they the one of the greatest teams in college football history are they the greatest team in college football history and those conversations are always very difficult to have because it depends on what Um, your bias is or do you have a recency bias or do you have somewhat of a nostalgia bias but if you look at the criteria for LSU the the level of competition that they played and the manner in which they beat those teams they should be a top five team ever the 19 LSU Tigers should go down as a top five program in college football history because they embarrassed everybody And their reputation will only be inflated as time goes on because we will look at those players. We will get to see what Joe Burrow looks like in the NFL. And if they become great all-time NFL players, it's only going to inflate their legacy even more. Kind of like the 2001 Miami Hurricanes team. A lot of people like to throw them into the conversation uh, as the greatest team of all time because of how many NFL Hall of Famers were on that team. And I think that matters a lot. I think LSU is probably top five right now uh, depending on how well their players uh, perform in the NFL, they could potentially jump in top three, top two, and just top one. Like they could be the greatest team of all time. You got to think they play a longer schedule now as well because there's a postseason. It's not just one game national championship like in the days of the BCS. You have to play to get your way into the national championship, and you have to play to get your way into the playoff to begin with. And we all know what happened uh when they played Oklahoma. They handled Clemson. They didn't beat them down. They didn't blow them out. But they they handled Clemson. They did dominate and embarrass Alabama uh, in Tuscaloosa. That means a lot. And I mean I've been singing the praises of, of their schedule all year long. You don't need me to tell you how great LSU has been. Um, so congratulations to them and and you know good on them for for taking the toughest route possible. There are programs who, I'm not going to say duck, or maybe they do duck the the other top programs in the nation and try to just get into the playoff as a one-loss team or maybe an undefeated team. LSU backed down from no one, and they beat everybody. So congratulations to them. Uh, they were the best team in college football this year. They had the biggest star in college football as well, Joe Burrow. Um, he He looked like a superstar after that game when he was, Smoking on that cigar. Dude, that was one of the great sports photos uh, that we're going to have from now until we all leave this earth. Just that picture of Joe Burrow on, on the couch outside the locker room, you know, with a cigar, that was, that was legendary right there. Uh, and what's interesting about all of that is that the national championship wasn't even the most exciting um, news of Monday, of that day. It was a national championship, and we had potentially what was one of the greatest college football teams ever win the national title, and that wasn't even the most exciting news of the day. The ML. And this is the kind of the double-edged sword of doing a podcast once a week. you get the opportunity to pick out the stories that you want and the storylines and the rumors and this, that and the other. But then, and this happens all the time. If a story comes out on Friday or Thursday night or Saturday, by the time you get to the following Thursday, it's no longer breaking news. And even though it's still relevant and it's brand new for the show, it's not new for um, you know, the entire sports culture. And so it, it's kind of stale. Um, but this story is still recent enough to where it's not it's not stale because it did come out on Monday and it feels like it's been out for two weeks now. It was only three or four days ago, uh, and that is the MLB laying down the hammer on the Houston Astros for stealing signs in the 2017 World Series, as well as the 2018 Boston Red Sox, both of which uh, defeated, or um, I'm using air quotes here, defeated the Los Angeles Dodgers Uh in the world series as well as the new york yankees in the al playoffs both of those teams beat the yankees and the Dodgers, or cheated their way past the yankees and the dodgers in route to their world series crowns we are still seeing the fallout even um as recent as this morning or afternoon depending on what your time zone is uh mets manager i guess i mean he was a manager for like an hour and a half Carlos Beltran uh, was fired from the New York Metropolitans for his connections to the Astros. sign stealing, and it's not even a scandal at this point. It, it happened. A scandal is like a rumor, right? Or kind of like a tabloid. This actually happened. There's definitive proof. Um, they did it. Uh, Carlos Beltran, as well as obviously A.J. Hinch, Jeff Liu uh, the GM, and or former GM and former manager from the Houston Astros, and Alex Cora, who was at the time in 2017 the bench coach, bench coach for the Houston Astros, and then he went on to the very next year be the manager for the Boston Red Sox, he was fired as well. So four men are currently without a job uh, due to their cheating, quite frankly, um, and that's what we're going to get into for the top of the show. That's going to be our first segment uh the punishments from the MLB were pretty stiff. I'll I'll give them that much, but they were harsh. Okay, let me let me break it down for you. The punishments that they gave the Astros, yes, they were harsh, but they didn't justify the crime. Right? The punishment should be adjacent to the crime. And what they did to the Astros does not rectify what the Astros uh, did and the punishments on the Red Sox have not been released because the Red Sox were accused after the Astros were accused. So they're still um, looking into that investigation. So the punishments for the Red Sox have not been issued at the time of this recording uh, and neither have the punishments on Alex Cora because while he was guilty of using uh, or orchestrating the science stealing in Houston, they're still trying to find out his role um, in Boston, which he was absolutely guilty of. There's no, there's no arguing that if he did in Houston, he absolutely did it in Boston. So he will be punished. Um, according to Jeff Passen of ESPN much uh, more harshly than AJ Hinch. So he has not been punished, uh, at the time of this recording, but for the Astros, they did impose a one year suspension to AJ Hinch, Hinch and Jeff Lou. again, both former employees. Of the Houston Astros they find them with what is the league max and I don't even know how they came up with this max number because it's not Very steep Uh, five million dollars Okay, that is the maximum. I don't know why that is the maximum. I don't know what How that affects them necessarily Um, and then they will have to forfeit Their first and second round draft picks for the next two years Okay, so there's that Uh, but they do get to keep their world series titles do the Houston Astros. And we will see if they uh, extend the same luxury to the Red Sox. I assume they would because you wouldn't. I assume the Red Sox are probably going to get about the same penalties, if not less so. Uh, Alex Cora himself, the individual, will have probably the harshest penalties, but the Red Sox organization probably looking about around the same punishments as the Astros got. Yes, they're pretty stiff. I don't like it for what they did. Now we're only going to be talking about the Astros for today because the Red Sox, again, we don't know what their punishment is going to look like. So again, I can't really comment on what they're going to have to deal with because we don't know what it is. I'm only going to focus on what the Astros are looking at right now. You lose first and second round draft picks for two years. Okay. Fine. Um, I mean, that's not a huge blow. That will hurt their farm system, obviously. I mean, clearly. But I don't think that kills the Astros. I think that's something that they can work through eventually and they can rectify that. You can make the argument that draft picks in baseball are the most meaningless. Draft picks. We're not talking about prospects because prospects are a completely different scenario if you have a a great farm system you can change the outlook of your franchise overnight by calling those guys up or putting them together in a package and trading for a superstar and then re-signing that superstar we're not talking about prospects we're talking about the draft picks themselves picks are probably and then you can trade for prospects as well if you have you haven't drafted well or you have a uh, a dry or a weak farm system you can ship out um, a reliever or a superstar who's probably not going to resign with you and replenish your, your farm system. So the draft picks, the draft and draft picks themselves are probably the most useless amongst the MLB, the NFL, and NBA. You can make an argument that draft picks are, are the most meaningless amongst those three sports. If you're a lottery team in the NBA and you have a top three pick, you can bring in a guy and he can change your franchise overnight. John Morant. LeBron James, not that they're in the same category, but those are the first two names that came into my head. For whatever reason, Kevin Durant, whoever, put whoever you want in that conversation. If you're in the top, after that, you're not really getting that much value. But you do have the chance of getting drafted a guy and he will play tonight. He will play tomorrow. In the MLB, you draft Bryce Harper, Mike Trout, they're not hitting the field immediately. There is always some level of time that you have to wait until your draft picks hit the field um in the in the major leagues so there's that and the nfl i think they're the most valuable because there's so many guys on the roster there's so many injuries in, in the game of football it's just the nature of the sport you have to have a deep roster so even if you're not a top a first round draft pick let alone top 10 draft pick you have value to the team because at any given moment a guy ahead of you can get hurt two or three guys ahead of, you, ahead of you can get hurt and you will hit the field and you will be expected to make an impact. So that part of it for for the MLB, they lose their first and second round draft picks. They have a great team. They're not dying over these draft picks. Will it hurt them in the long run? Sure, yeah, probably. But that, they're not going to feel the effects of this for at least another... I mean, because again... They're for the next two years, so obviously they're not going to have the draft picks for the next two years. But then you got to think um, they're not going to feel these effects for the next four or five years, because you got to think whoever they would have drafted in those spots were not going to hit the field immediately. It would be another two or three or four, however many years it would it would have been, until those players have gotten had gotten to play for the Houston Astros. So that is not even going to affect them for. I mean, a few, a while. It's going to be a while until this comes into play, um, and then that's it. That is it. They refine the five million, which doesn't seem like a whole lot. Teams are, uh, around the league have speculated that the Astros made a revenue worth of sixty million dollars via their World Series title, and you find them five million, which is the league league max. And I don't know how that is the league maximum penalty for a team. Um, so in the long run they still were able to walk away with $55 million uh, via their 2017 World Series title. And then they do lose A.J. Hinch and Jeff Lue now, who were going to be suspended anyway, but then the team uh, went ahead and and fired them for PR purposes. Uh, And so both of those guys are without a job. They cannot sign with the team until, I believe, October um, 2020. And it's this season. It's just this season. So actually, they can still... Um, both be hired within the calendar year so once the world series this year is over they are both eligible to return to major league baseball here's why i don't like these these penalties that the mlb imposed on the houston astros they don't um, acknowledge what the astros did they don't acknowledge the crime that they committed and in case you don't know what you do but in case you don't know uh, over the course of the regular season and postseason, it's stated very clearly in black and white in the commissioner's uh letter, you know, from the investigation that they conducted on the Houston Astros, they put a camera in center field. And they would this was used in both the regular season and the postseason, um, not just one or the other. They used it all calendar year long. There was a camera in center field that they would use to catch the um or Steal the catcher's signs to the pitcher, like what pitches uh, the pitcher's going to throw. Like what what is he going to throw? Fastball, curveball, changeup, whatever the case may be. That was relayed to a monitor inside the dugout, um, which the players and bench coaches were watching. And depending on what they were throwing, they would bang on a trash can. And that's how they would communicate to the batter swing or don't swing whatever the case may be whether it was hit the trash can swing hit it twice don't swing whatever I mean they had inside knowledge of what was being thrown at the batter so that's an advantage now sign stealing is not a new concept in baseball it's been going on since the invention of the game Um, and it's kind of I guess in proper context, I guess kind of cheeky a little bit, it is sort of an unfair advantage, but it is part of the game. All 30 teams um, take part in that. But what the Astros did is they took it to a completely new level. Usually what sign-stealing is is if there's a runner on second base, he will peer into the catchers um, you know, where he's giving the signs to the pitcher um, and then he will relay that to the batter. He'll either make a step... Or step back, he'll do something to the team will have their own kind of um, signs offensively, and the batter will look at the second baseman and the sec, or the runner on second base, rather, and based off of that, he'll either swing or not swing, but that 's up to the runner on second base to look in to the catcher, um, decipher what the signs are going to be, and it 's only when someone's on second because you can't see when you're on first base or third base. So you have to get a runner on second. He has to be able to decipher the pitches. He has to relay that to the batter um, within the amount of pitches it takes for either the batter to strike out, get an out, get a hit, home, whatever the case may be. So it doesn't happen often because, again, the scenario doesn't allow itself to transpire You know, however many times a game. The Astros had this uh, access for 27 outs of the game. And there's no And what a pitcher and catcher can do when there's a runner on second base is they can change their signs up. All it takes is for the catcher to go up to the pitcher and say, "Okay, we're scratching whatever signs we have." And the very basic little league like softball YMCA is one is a fastball, two is a curveball, three is a slider, what, and then four is like a changeup, or however you know whatever the pitcher throws. That's very standard. That it's not that easy in the MLB, but they could go to that because it's so easy. You know, it might throw people it's so easy you're not you're not really expecting it or whatever it is they have so many different systems um for signs all they have to do is change it and then the runner on second has to figure it out again before he can even give a sign to the batter so with that is so complicated it's it's cheating but it's so hard to do a lot of t- all the teams do it, but it's not a completely. Un- it's not like pine tar or anything like that, where it immediately affects the game. It's an advantage, but you have to go out and earn that advantage. You're kind of going out of your way to take a shortcut, almost, if that makes any sense. But what the Astros were doing, they took it to a whole new level. They made it so accessible that the entire team benefited um, at all in all at bats of the game at home. And they did that throughout the regular season and postseason. And they did that during the World Series of 2017, uh, which they quote-unquote beat the Los Angeles Dodgers in seven games. And here's why I get pretty upset with the MLB. They don't acknowledge that the Astros cheated. They altered the outcomes of games. This is a completely unfair advantage that only the Houston Astros uh, and then eventually the uh, Boston Red Sox had access to. Yes, all teams steal, are stealing signs on second base. No other team had a camera in center field, had a live stream of the game uh, in their dugout. Only the Houston Astros had access to this. And it's very clear they were the... they were. Much better at home. Over the course of the postseason, they were 8-1 and one at home. The one loss coming to the Los Angeles Dodgers in the World Series. But they were undefeated against the Yankees at home in their series. And they only lost one game against the Dodgers in their series. Um, in what was the World Series. So what Astros fans are saying on Twitter is, well, we still won the game in Dodger Stadium, being Game 7. So who cares? Not true, because you did win two out of the three games you played at home. Based off of those, you know, the the camera in center field, and don't tell me that they did it all season long, all postseason long, and then suddenly when they got to the World Series, they had a change of heart, and then just stopped it. They absolutely had every advantage they could have they could have used in that World Series. It should have never have gone seven games. um, That twenty seventeen World Series, even if it goes six games, the Dodgers won Game Six, and even if they win one more game at Houston, which everyone points back to the Game Five of that World Series being the turning point. It was 13 to 12 the final score. If the Dodgers win game 5, they win the World Series, the bottom line. Even if it even if Houston does win game 6 and forces it to game 7, you know, it, it it's a different story. I I feel at that point. Uh game 5 was the was the turning point in that World Series. And Major League Baseball does not address the crimes that Houston committed in game. This wasn't something off the field, or something that has to do with the law. This actually affected baseball games and careers and the history of Major League Baseball. What I would have done is I would have, sure, obviously, A.J. Hinge, Jeff Lunau, and uh, Alex Cora, they all should have been banned from the game. Quite frankly, they should have been banned. And I don't know if any of them will even have an opportunity to sign with with another team regardless, but they should have been banned from major league baseball they cheated at the world's biggest stage in baseball the world series what more punishment could you possibly give give them for that for that action they cheated they altered the world series i don't know how they were were able to walk away with a one-year vacation that that was pretty um disgraceful to begin with they should have all been banned number two what i would have done they did not want to suspend players and i there's some part of me that understands why and then another part that says well no that's not really fair Uh, i understand why they didn't want to do that because you can't say who is more guilty who was the one banging the trash cans who is involved in this were there some players against it i understand that but here's the argument I have to that very same point. You can't cheat a little. You can't cheat more than someone else. You cheated. You absolutely cheated. I don't care if it was a little bit. I don't care if you wanted to do it. I don't care if you didn't want to do it. You did it. And guess what? Regardless if any of those players were voluntary or not, they all got a World Series ring, so they all benefited. What I would do is I would not suspend any one player, but I would go, I would, this would be my my course of action. Any player who is a member of that 2017 Houston Astros team should be banned from the postseason for the next two years. So even if you're not on the Astros right now, but you were on that team and you you were you gladly collected your World Series ring, you should be banned from the postseason for the next two years. The Houston Astros as, as an organization should be banned from the postseason for the next two years. And if you are on that um, Houston Astros team currently and you were not a member of that 2017 World Series, you should be allowed to open up your contract. Like, like free agency, you should essentially have the right to say, I want to go play for a team that is playoff eligible. Even if you're under contract, you should, be able to, you should be relieved of your contract and have the option, or the right rather, to go back into free agency that would be my second course of action. Because again, they, the Astros are still a very good team, especially if you don't suspend any of these players. They still have Bregman, Altuve, Springer, Correa. They still have all these guys, uh, Verlander, Grinke. In fact, they're tied with the Yankees as World Series favorites for this year. So what kind of an insult would that be to baseball and its fans if you, you impose these quote-unquote death penalty punishments And in the very same season, the Astros win the World Series, which they are very much capable of. So I would ban them from the postseason. The team currently and all members of the team in 2017. That would be my course of action. And finally, this is the most standard one. I don't know how they, they walked away without this punishment. They should be forced to vacate the 2017 World Series. They didn't win it. They did not win it. They cheated throughout the regular season. Granting them, I believe it was the number one seed in the postseason. Or at least um, throughout the AL playoffs. Because the Dodgers had the number one seed in the postseason that year. And they used it during uh, the World Series off- and the, throughout the postseason. Excuse me. Where they beat the Yankees in seven games going undefeated at home. Kind of—I mean I don't think that's just a coincidence and where they went 2-1 and one against the Dodgers at home. So, and throughout the playoffs, they were 8-1 and one in the postseason. So they should be forced to vacate that World Series title. They should have no World Series banner, and they should revoke all the players' World Series rings. That's, I mean, that's just bottom line. That's where I would have started, quite honestly. I don't know how they were able to walk away from that as the 2017 World Series champions, And I, you don't give it to the Dodgers because a lot of people are saying the Dodgers should be back-to-back World Series titles because they lost. They were the runner-up in both um, World Series. You, you can't do that because that World Series would be tainted as well. You're giving it to a losing team or a team that lost in the World Series. Even if they were cheated against, uh, I can't in good faith say that the Dodgers deserve to be the World Series champs for 2017, 2018. I just can't. What we were robbed of was Yankees-Dodgers back-to-back seasons because both years the Reds or the Yankees lost to the Red Sox and the Astros as well as um, or similar to the Los Angeles Dodgers. So we were robbed of Yankees-Dodgers and back-to-back World Series and who knows how any of those series would have played out. I think the Dodgers were better in 2017. The Yankees were probably a little bit better in 2018. So... Maybe we get a Yankees-Dodgers split in the World Series one-on-one. The world will never know. We were robbed of that, and I think it's just grossly unfair that the Astros get to keep their World Series. And if the Astros get to keep it, again, we don't know what the Red Sox penalty is going to look like. They're not going to take away the the Red Sox World Series, okay? They're just not. If they didn't take it away from the Astros, they're not taking it away from the Red Sox. That would that would just be strange. I don't I don't see why you would take it away from one and not both it should be both so the red sox are not going to lose their world series and even though yes both of their titles will forever be tainted forever i mean they're it's always until the end of time going to have an asterisk against or next to both of those world series titles they should not be allowed to even hang up that banner or have that trophy stand in in both of their facilities they just shouldn't they they should be revoked there should, no be, there should be no World Series champion for 2017 and 2018. Bottom line. Because again, Alex Cora, and he was kind of the ringleader in this whole operation in Houston. A.J. Hinch said he did not want to take part of it. He didn't want to cheat, wanted to do it the right way. And there was even cases where he would tamper with um, the monitor in the dugout. He did not want to take part of it, but he did. He, he didn't feel too guilty when he, was, when he was in the parade in Houston. Okay, so even though he didn't want to do it, you know, you still you can't cheat a little bit. Again, you don't just sort of cheat a little bit. No, you cheated. I don't care if you wanted to or you you didn't. You cheated. Alex Cora was a ringleader, so that tells me he didn't just have a change of heart and say, "Well, this isn't right. I'm gonna fix. I'm gonna clean things up in Boston." They go from, I mean, barely making the wild card game the year before, losing two. Um, or not the wild card game, but they go from yeah they they go from barely making the wild card in 2017 to then being World Series champions in 2018, and then the year after that, this season currently, they don't even make the postseason. So are they absolute? That should be evidence enough. And the MLB is currently still again investigating the extent of what the Red Sox um, did or how how they operated, um, but they did it. I mean, I, I'm not going to be surprised when they say the Red Sox cheated because, I mean, it's it's pretty obvious that they did. The only question is to um, what extent. And, again, I don't even really care about that because I'm going to re- repeat myself one more time. You can't just cheat a little bit. You cheated. There's no I, – I kind of – I didn't want to cheat, but I cheated, so it's not that bad. No, you cheated, bottom line, and they should they should both be punished. So I did not – like the punishments that the MLB um, imposed on the Houston Astros. And again, I think it's going to be about the same ballpark for the Boston Red Sox. I don't see how you could take away the Red Sox World Series and not the Astros. That That just makes no sense whatsoever. So it's going to be around the same ballpark for the Red Sox. I assume they will be allowed to keep their World Series, which is a disgrace in and of itself. Yes, the punishments were stiff, but they did not suit the crime. They did not justify what the Astros and the Red Sox did. And so with that very melancholy tune, we move now forward to playoff football. I know it's a really wild change of emotion and tone but just imagine you're listening to iTunes on shuffle. That's essentially what we're doing right now. We're we're doing our our sports segments on shuffle. We have a really upsetting and disturbing story for, you know, the top of the show. And now we're going to have some fun talk about Pat Mahomes. I mean, that's just how that's how things go in sports sometimes. Sometimes there's, you know, vastly different emotions. And so that's what we're going to do right now. We move forward to playoff football. And we picked four games last week. Uh, we went 2-2. Two and two. So, I mean, could have been better. Could have been worse. So, uh, we had the 49ers over the Vikings. That one I felt pretty confident in. And the Vikings played very well. I mean, excuse me, the 49ers played very well. The Vikings actually um, did not. So, then we have the, oh, we did pick the 49ers. And then we had the Titans and the Ravens. That one was an, another shocker by the Tennessee Titans. Um, Ryan Tana Thrill, and the last king, Derrick Henry, they beat the Ravens in Baltimore. And quite frankly, it really didn't even look close. Like, they looked like they were the better football team during that game. And I don't even know if that was necessarily true. In all credit to Tennessee, I hate to be that guy. Well, actually, no, I don't hate to be that guy because the underdog teams always complain, hey, how come you don't give us any credit? We won the game. How come, I mean, you know, whatever the case may be. That's not the story. That is not... The story. It is. The story comes from the upset. How did this great team, number one seed, Baltimore, who was, I mean, definitively the best team in the league all year long, offensively and defensively, that's what makes it interesting. That's what makes this story interesting in the first place. Yes, it was a gutty, uh, a gutsy, not even come from behind win, but just a gutsy upset. No one was giving you any kind of credit, expecting you to win for that reason. And so I don't feel sorry, you know, focusing more on the teams that lose rather than the teams that show up and play. I will give you credit, yes, but the story comes from the higher seeded team losing. And that's why when they beat New England last week, or was it two weeks ago, whatever the case may be, that was more interesting. The downfall of New England was, I mean, a thousand times more captivating than, you know, Tennessee upsetting New England, especially because we thought they were just a flash in the pan. Now we see that they're for real. Um, You know, it makes it a little bit more. Of a Tennessee story, but at the time it was all about New England, and I had really had no guilt about it. And I feel the same way now. This what's interesting about this is how Lamar Jackson, who was, I mean, had one of the most dominant, unstoppable seasons from an offensive player. Forget quarterback, an offensive player in recent memory was shut down. I mean, had no answers for that defense. I think that's way more interesting than just Tennessee stopped Lamar Jackson. I, I, I think that's way more interesting, but credit to Tennessee. They did get the job done. They did get the win. So we lose that one. We did have the Ravens winning in that game. Uh, Texans and chiefs. This was, I mean, one of the strangest games. I think maybe any of us have seen in a long time. I, I, I went on a whole rant, Last week, about how Kansas City was going to embarrass the entire city of Houston. Um, And it turns out the Astros embarrassed the entire city of Houston. Um, But then the Texans jumped out to a 24-0 lead. I was going on for like 10 minutes about how Patrick Mahomes was going to tear the Texans to shreds. How they were an awful, lousy team. They didn't even belong in that game. They should have lost to Buffalo. I I was tearing Houston to shreds. And they jump out 24 0. So I was sweating watching that game. And then all of a sudden, uh, at the stop of a dime, Kansas City turns that whole game around. They win by, uh, I believe, 20 or 30 points, something of that nature. They, they won by 20 points, 51 to 31. And even still, Houston got 14 points off of special teams miscues from Kansas City. So it could have been a whole lot worse for the Texans. I still, number one. Uh, Deshaun Watson fan the rest of the team is just is just garbage and and DeAndre Hopkins I like him too the rest of the team is is I almost cursed right there is garbage their team is awful The the Texans are just they're not the worst but they are some level of incompetent to have Deshaun Watson this superstar like this and you can't surround him with the supporting cat and it's not just the receivers Okay, because they do have DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller. It's the running game, it's the offensive line, it's the defense. They had no answer for Pat Mahomes after the first quarter. I mean, it, it was it was bad. It was just truly bad. So we did get that one, and then finally, last week we did have uh, we had the Seahawks upsetting the Packers. That one was not even close re- either. That wasn't a, bl- a twenty point blowout. But the Packers uh, actually Seattle came back and made that game. Really interesting. It's a one-possession game. The Packers dominated that football game. Okay, they they were just better on that night. Um, you know, I said Seattle was the better team. That was not the case, and I I, I can admit it when I when I pick games uh, incorrectly. That that just was not the case um, when they played each other, Seattle and Green Bay. So we now move uh, to championship week. This week, both games being played on Sunday, January nineteenth. Um, one went away from the Super Bowl. It's very exciting. And I just want to get this out of the way right now. Or actually, no, I won't. I'll save this for a little bit later. I lied. Uh, first game, Tennessee Titans and Kansas City Chiefs. Can I make the same mistake three times? They say in life, you should never make the same mistake twice. And I've already done that. I've picked against Tennessee. Both times when I've had some, some level of hope that or that they could upset the team that they were playing, and I didn't believe it enough to pick them. So I've already made the same mistake twice. Will I be foolish enough to make the same mistake thrice, three straight weeks in a row? No, I will not, because the Chiefs are actually going to beat the Titans this week, and they're not going to get upset, and this is what I, what I hope happens. Whatever game I pick, I root for the team I picked to win because I like I love being right I I I'm sure I've said it on the show before it's my favorite thing in the world I love being right more than anything and I know that's not a really good personality trait but it's just who I am I love being right it's my favorite so I root for teams that I pick for when I'm watching the game I will be especially rooting for the Chiefs this Sunday and that game is at what time is it at uh 12 o'clock uh, Pacific time. So uh, right at noon, I will be rooting so hard for Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs. Not cuz I don't like Derrick Henry cuz I do. Not cuz I don't like Ryan Tannehill because I do. Not because I don't like Mike Vrabel because I do. They're not they're not moving the needle in the Super Bowl. And it's the Super Bowl. People are going to watch regardless. But do we are we do we really want Ryan Tannehill in the Super Bowl I mean great for him. I am so happy for him I mean he's making his money whether it's at Tennessee or, or or somewhere else Ryan Tannehill proves that he he is a starter he can play if you give if you give him the supporting cast he can win you ball games and we all wrote him off after Miami but think again or think about this that was in Miami they were terrible i mean they're a horribly dysfunctional franchise yeah a lot of that now is, makes a lot of sense why ryan tannehill couldn't get couldn't get off the ground because miami's terrible and tennessee is actually really well run they have a very deep football team and they know their identity do we want to see that in the super bowl do you want to see ryan tannehill and derrick henry in the super bowl or do you want to see pat mahomes tyreek hill travis kelsey it's not even so much that I think they're going to win that game, which I do. It's that I want them in the Super Bowl. I want to see the biggest stars on the biggest stage. So I'm going to be rooting so hard for the Kansas City Chiefs. And no disrespect to the Titans or anyone in living in the city of Tennessee. They're not interesting. They're not captivating. It's not even like the Eagles who were an underdog. That was an interesting story because they were an underdog because their starting quarterback was out. And you had Nick Foles coming in. And he looked, like, I mean, he looked like Johnny Unitas out there. He was a superstar. That was an interesting... But they still had a very good team. They were the number one seed in the NFC that year. Tennessee's just not... It just doesn't move the needle. It just flat out does not. And you can argue... You can make any argument you want. Kansas City is a, a way easier sell in the Super Bowl than, than uh, Tennessee. It just flat out is. So I think the Chiefs will win on Sunday. I hope to God they do win because, again, I love being right, and I just want to have a good Super Bowl. Okay, We all deserve a good Super Bowl after the dumpster fire that we were given last year with New England and L.A. That was one of the worst Super Bowls. You know what? I'm going to go this far. That was the worst Super Bowl that in my lifetime I have ever seen. That was the worst Super Bowl I have ever seen in my life. The NFL owes it to us, okay? We got to get Kansas City in the Super Bowl. We need Pat Mahomes in there. Um, Where is it? In Miami. And it's in Miami, warm weather. Oh, good God. Please, please get Pat Mahomes in the Super Bowl. If this was in, like, I don't know, Chicago, like, for whatever whatever reason, they had the Super Bowl in in a cold-weather outdoor stadium, like, for what, like, just Lambeau Field was hosting the Super Bowl this year. Yeah, maybe it'd be better if we got Tennessee. And now you can't, actually, you can't even say that because Kansas City is a cold, wet, rainy, snowy city as well. And Pat Mahomes is still slinging it 80 yards down the field. So, actually, that's not even a really good argument either. Um, and then we go to the NFC Championship game. And you guys are going to get mad at me. You're going to be real mad at me because, I mean, last week I said this was Jimmy G's opportunity to sell himself, you know in the eyes of the crowd noise podcast because i have not bought into jimmy garoppolo all year long um i i haven't i just don't see it i i, I just don't see it a lot of, you got to trust your eyes sometimes i don't see this superstar in jimmy garoppolo just jimmy garoppolo that doesn't even that he's gonna roll off the tongue drew breeze tom brady Roger Staubach I mean those names roll off the tongue Jimmy Garoppolo I couldn't spell Jimmy Garoppolo I could spell Jimmy but I I don't know if I could confidently spell Garoppolo like if my life depended on it you know tell my mom I love her because I I don't know if I could 100% guarantee Garoppolo Brady I mean that's an easy one come on I just don't see a superstar in him and the 49ers are legit. They are for I mean, there is nothing I have against that entire team. This is a Jimmy Garoppolo thing. And I get his career record as a star. I think he's only lost five games in his career as a starter. What more do you possibly want? But he has every tool at his disposal. And I get that he doesn't have the DeAndre Hopkins, you know, a top five, top ten. Maybe top 20 receiver in the game. But he does have the orchestrator in Kyle Shanahan. And we've seen what an offensive... And I hate to say system, but for lack of a better word, we've seen what systems can do for guys. Look, look at Sean McVay and Jared Goff. I mean, they, ha- they didn't have... Their best receiver was Robert Woods, and he is a top 20, potentially top 10 receiver. Um. But then the rest of that receiving court, like they didn't have Cooper Cup. He was gone. And maybe they win the Super Bowl with Cooper Cup. Um, but he got hurt last year. In San Francisco, they don't even have a Robert Woods. But they do have a great run scheme. And they do have a great play caller and play designer. And then they do have the best defense in the National Football League. That takes so much pressure off of a quarterback. When you don't, have, when you don't go into games thinking you need to score 28 points to have a chance... That just takes an entire load off of your shoulders. And last week, they dominate Minnesota. And none of it was from Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, none of that game could be credited to Jimmy G. That was all on the defense. That was all on Raheem Mostert. I I still do not believe in Jimmy Garoppolo. And I've said it all year long. Playoff football is a lot like playoff baseball there's a reason why quarterbacks get paid so much and that's it's an argument that defensive players have why do the quarterbacks get paid so much here's why it's it's like starting pitching in baseball if you have the best starting rotation it almost doesn't matter what your lineup looks like you do need to have a solid lineup and you need to have guys that work the count but if you have a, a dominant starting rotation not just one guy but one two three guys you're gonna win playoff series and probably the world series look at the washington nationals they're a wild card team but because they had strasburg scherzer corbin anibal sanchez they win the world series against the cheating dogs of the houston astros and in football it's the same thing your quarter if you have a legendary hall of fame quarterback you can do almost anything there's a reason why quarterbacks get paid so much they have the ability to overcome these great defenses, to make plays that you cannot imagine. And who's the Packers quarterback? Oh, um, Aaron, Rodgers. I? Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers. He has a knack for winning football games in spectacular fashion. Just ask Jason Garrett. The Packers are going to win this football game because of Aaron Rodgers. And the 49ers are fantastic. They have a great, well-built team. But in playoff football, it's about quarterback play. The reason last week that Seattle almost came back and beat Green Bay was because of Russell Wilson. Only because of Russell Wilson was that game even close, and they almost won that game. Playoff football is about quarterback play. It just flat out is. And I don't know in a one-on-one duel... If I'm going to take Jimmy Garoppolo over Aaron Rodgers, I'm not. I'm taking the Packers to win um, this Sunday at 340 Pacific time. And think about this. Again, I am rooting for the Packers. I am rooting for the Packers to win this game, not just because I'm picking them to win, but tell me this isn't an easy sell. Aaron Rodgers, Pat Mahomes in the Super Bowl. The State Farm Bowl. It's so easy. The State Farm Super Bowl. But then you talk about Pat Mahomes Jimmy Garoppolo that does not that does not move the needle. Ryan Tannehill Jimmy Garoppolo or even Ryan Tannehill Aaron Rodgers that does not move the needle. Aaron Rodgers Pat Mahomes that moves the needle. That is record-breaking ratings, views. And it's the Super Bowl or probably it's going to have millions and millions of people around the world watching it regardless. But this is the best possible game the nfl can hope for a super bowl one rematch in the hundredth year of the nfl packers chiefs rogers mahomes this is what people want to see This is what i want to see rogers mahomes i hope it happens so here's to hope and we all get what we deserve um come super bowl sunday or this sunday rather because we'll we'll have the answer by 3.40 Pacific Time uh, this January 19th. So let's close out the show real strong. We got some uh, lighthearted quote of the week for you. And I say lighthearted because it's pretty uh, funny, or at least I thought it was. Uh, Let's clean ourselves of the stench that is the entire city of Houston and the entire region of East Texas. Let's just rid ourselves of that ungodly stench of cheating. I... It just it makes me so... Fr- and what's what's so aggravating about that, and I'm getting back into it all of a sudden, is that they got away with it. They did. Let's be honest. They got away with it. They were able to keep their World Series. I'm done with it. Let's, let's have some fun to close out this the end of the show. Uh, we get the best quote... Or rather, at the end of every single episode, we get the best quote that I heard throughout the week or saw, whatever. Um, and then we put it at the end of the show and we call it the quote of the week. It's... Uh, quite literal. Um, but it gets the job that it lets you know what we're gonna do. We're gonna talk about the quote of the week during the quote of the week segment. It's it's, it's like uh the New Year's Rock and Eve. You know exactly what it is. You know what date it's on, you know what time it starts, you know what they're gonna be doing. That's why we call it the quote of the week. It's right to the point. So here we go. This one is a very uh shall we say vulgar quote of the week. And again I would never jeopardize the potential for sponsors um, so don't worry about, you know, me crossing the line here, but in case you're, you know, in a church or, or at school or a library or something like that, uh, if you don't have your headphones on already, just, you know, safely put your headphones on discreetly. Um, here we go. Quote, this is kind of a lengthy one. Here we go. Quote, I was sort of like, what the expletive man, some dude just won a hundred thousand dollars doing the same expletive in LA. And I got some bum expletive lottery tickets. Still a blessing, though. That comes from one Anthony Peterson on winning $1,000 from hitting a half-court shot in Madison Square Garden uh, during a New York Knicks game. Now, he did not just win $1,000, which even that's not very good. And I paid a lot of attention to the Lakers. You know that. They're... The most exciting team in basketball right now. They just flat out are. Um, and some fan did just a few weeks, very recently, hit the half court. We're all familiar with the, you know, the half court shot and you win a prize or whatever the case may be. The guy hit a half court shot and he won $100,000. That's a lot of money. That is a lot. Like, that's not even just putting into speculation. Oh, that's a lot of money for X, Y, and Z. No, that's a lot of money. Period. That is a lot of money. And then you think about the pressure. Hitting a half-court shot, not easy to do. It's easy for me because I'm the man. But, I mean, like, that's not easy to do in front of 20,000 people. Or is it 20,000? How how many people sit in Staples Center? Whatever the case may be, you're sitting in front of a sold-out Staples Center in front of a not-sold-out Madison Square Garden because no one goes to Knicks games these days except for one Anthony Peterson. My condolences to him. Um, That's still a lot of pressure. And what the Knicks gave this man who hit the half-court shot, which is not easy to do, and you compare it to the folks in L.A. who are giving away $100,000. $100,000. The Knicks, the New York Knicks, gave this man $500 worth, get ready for it, of lottery tickets. They didn't even have the decency to give them or give him their own money. They bought $500 worth of lottery tickets and gave it to Anthony Peterson, who hit the half-court shot like a, a sniper, like Reggie Miller, Stephen Curry, dagger half-court, and you got lottery tickets, which amounted to $1,000 so at the end of the day he was able to double his investment I suppose so that sounds great on paper but then when you look across the country and you see someone and he says it right here he did this guy did the exact same shot and won $100,000 and then he won 1000 actually he didn't even win 1000 he won $500 worth of lottery tickets which translated to $1,000 so if my math is correct, and I'm going to do it right now. If my math is correct, one thousand times one hundred is one hundred thousand dollars. So he, for the same exact job, so for hitting the exact same shot, Anthony Peterson, as someone in Los Angeles, he got a one hundredth, one hundredth of the value of someone in Los Angeles for hitting the exact same shot. So if you take a half-court shot in a Lakers game, you can win a hundred times as much money as you would in a New York Knicks game. And the reason why I bring this up is like, well, what do you you care? You're not a... What do you care? Who cares about Anthony Peterson? Well, I'll tell you this much. Because the Knicks are an absolute disgrace. They are a stain upon the National Basketball Association. A term on Twitter, and again, Twitter's... For sports, is incredibly toxic. I mean, people are just, they're so hellaciously inconsiderate and mean to each other. And I get it, it's sports, there's trash talk and stuff, but people are actually toxic. The word, or the term poverty franchise gets thrown around a lot. Like if your team loses in the playoffs or they miss out on a free agent or whatever, all fans, members of all other teams are going to come to your your team's Twitter they're going to come to your team's Twitter. You're supposed to be your safe haven. They're going to call your team poverty. And that's toxic. But when you're talking about the Knicks, who can't even give a proper halftime show prize away, that is the definition of poverty. You're the New York Knicks, not one of. You are the most valuable franchise for some unknown reason in the National Basketball Association, and your grand prize. It's $500, not of your own money, but of lottery tickets. So even if this guy does hit it big, the Knicks are they're off scot free. They're not paying a cent. That's, you got to go talk to the lottery people. That's not on James Dolan. So there has never been more, there's never been a more true case of the term poverty franchise than the New York Knicks. They are literally now a poverty franchise. There are small market teams that are giving away better half court shot prizes than New York, the New York Knicks. We're not talking about the Kalamazoo Knicks or whatever small market team you could possibly imagine. New York. The most valuable, profitable franchise in the league. They gave away $500 for the lottery tickets. Oh, and the team stinks. They might be one of the worst basketball teams that we have ever seen. So you think they would give away the best half court and halftime prizes to try and bring people in to watch this god-awful basketball team. And poor Anthony, Pe- Anthony Peterson, he is actually one of the people who, you know, And I don't mean to call him dumb because I would not want to insult him. And I'm not going to call him dumb, but it's like at some point, when do you like what I'm trying to say is he spent money on going to a Knicks game, which that is not, he's not a dumb person, but that was a dumb decision. I would say do not spend money on the New York Knicks because they do not give a damn about you. They don't, they don't give a damn about their own basketball team, let alone the fans. They just clearly do not. So that was his one fatal mistake, was that he spent money on a Knicks game. And we don't even know how much money those tickets cost. We don't know where he sat. If he sits, you know, five rows up from half court, he may have lost money. He may have lost money on this transaction. His tickets may or may not have cost him more than his winnings. We do not know. And those numbers have not been released to the media at this point. But at right now, I'd be pretty curious to know what... What his tickets costed. Did he even make money off of this shot? The Knicks are the truest sense of a poverty franchise. That's going to bring us to the end of this week's episode. I'm kind of all riled up from the Astros, or excuse me, the Asterix, and then now the New York Knicks can't even... They don't have the decency to put a good basketball team on the court, and yet they can't even muster up the courage to give away a realistic half-court shot prize. It, it, it's, it's unbelievable. It's a disgrace. Um, enjoy the games this Sunday. I know I will. Um, go Packers. Go Chiefs. It's what we deserve. As fans of the game, we deserve Aaron Rodgers, Pat Mahomes. It's what we all want to see. It's what we all deserve to see. I will talk to you next week.